0: Just out in 2019, our newly released paperback version of our book, affordable interior design high-end tips for any budget has just hit shelves. If you want to learn more about selecting your style, picking the perfect paint colors, choosing a color palette that will wow. Then you won't want to miss this book. Plus, it has a whole bunch of pretty pictures. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com, click on the shop tab, and you will see our book for $14.99. Additionally, if you purchase it on our website, I will personally sign it for you. And if you use promo code podcast at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order. Head to our website and grab your copy today. a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look, be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. I'm so excited. Today is Affordable Interior Design's holiday get-together. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Betsy, it is no longer the holidays. It is the end of January. I know. But as interior designers, our crunch time is right before the holidays. It's when everybody wants those last minute finishing touches so that their space looks awesome for Christmas, or everyone's trying to take advantage of those year in sales so that their Hanukkah blowout is a big success and their space really wows. So we have not had a chance to breathe until right about now because in the new year everybody has a resolution to get their home looking nice, to start off with a bang, to get reorganized and they call us too. So we don't really have a huge lull around the holiday season. We stay pretty busy all except for that one big week between Christmas and New Year. So I'm excited for us to get together. I'm excited for us to debrief. We are from all over, so unfortunately the whole team can't gather. Our shopper is in Las Vegas. Our booker is in Orlando. But we have people coming from D.C., from the Hamptons, North Fork area in Long Island. We're coming from New Jersey and Queens and New York City and Westchester. And I can't wait to all converge on times square at one of my favorite restaurants and spend a few hours laughing opening gifts and chatting chatting hopefully not spending too much time talking about the office and more time just playing silly games now do people like playing silly games at office get togethers This is what I don't know. I I can't get a read on it. I love silly games at any time, so I will be bringing some ideas, but uh, it's rare that we actually get a chance to play them because we're usually so busy chatting. All right. Well, that's enough about us here at Affordable Interior Design. Let's talk about you guys. You guys have questions. You guys are generously sending them in and I am so excited. However, the mailbag is getting a little bit light. So if you have questions that are on your mind, do not hesitate. Now is the perfect time to send them in. Oftentimes our mailbag is 20-30 questions deep, but I've been really getting through these questions with each podcast and now we only have a few remaining. So send your question to info at affordableinteriordesign.com. Once again, info at affordableinteriordesign.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. I'd love to hear your dilemmas. Keep me posted. All right. Speaking of dilemmas, let's dive in with our first writer, who is Jenna. Jenna writes, Betsy, I love your podcast. I've heard every episode. I also love gray walls. I currently have Sherwin Williams French Gray in my open concept first floor. But in the basement, I'd like to warm things up. Can gray and cream coexist in a whole house scheme? To complicate matters, French gray has a purple undertone, which is perfect for my blonde wood floors on the first floor. But my basement has faux cherry wood, so a cool color would be best to accent those. But it is very cold down there. So I've heard that I need a warm wall color. What do you think? Thank you, Jenna. Jenna, I definitely feel that grey, cream, beige, they can all exist in the same area. Nowadays I think mixing neutrals can be a really fun choice, especially if you're afraid to use color. Well then, you might as well create some contrast by mixing neutrals. I don't think that bringing gray wall color down to the basement where it's very cold temperature-wise would be a good idea. It's just going to emphasize that and make it worse, so I do think this is a perfect place to use that cream or a light tan. You may even want to think about a very warm grayish, which is a gray-beige fusion, so that way your basement doesn't feel like a total departure from the upstairs, but if you Do choose to go with a true cream for the wall color in the basement. You can maybe think about bringing in hints of gray with the upholstery of a sofa or with the background of your rug. There are ways to make your home feel cohesive without using the exact same colors in each space. Jenna, I hope that helped. Let me move on to my next question that comes from Anissa. Anissa writes, Hi, Betsy. I hope you enjoyed the holidays and Happy New Year. I just heard your latest podcast and I was ecstatic to hear that you are launching a YouTube channel. I can't wait to subscribe. Yes, everyone, in case you haven't heard the news, Affordable Interior Design TV is coming to YouTube in February. I'm just thinking now, brainstorming what it will look like getting some inspiration, having some strategy calls with other YouTubers who've been very successful so that I can launch the most exciting, best version of my channel. Um, we're going to have tips, q and I'm going to share some of my favorite items, there's going to be lots of pictures, because that's the limitation of a podcast, is I have to describe with my voice a visual uh, field, which can be kind of difficult. Sometimes I just want to show you guys a gosh darn picture. Uh, so that's what's going to be so exciting about the YouTube channel. Oh, also keep in mind, if you send in a question to the podcast at info at oftentimes you send in pictures. Well, that can be used for the YouTube channel. So keep that in mind when you send is that I will be using the questions from the podcast bag on the TV show, and now I'll be able to show your pictures. So when you send them in, keep that in mind. All right, back to your question, Anissa. I so appreciate you reaching reaching out. My excitement has been building about becoming an interior designer since we spoke on our Zoom call. I do want to take the Affordable Interior Design Online Academy. Yes, Anissa signed up for one of our one-on-one calls where we talk about... You know, designing your career roadmap, deciding what is right for you because the academy is not right for everyone. So it's very helpful to hop on a call with me if you're considering the academy. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com, you click on the academy tab, sign up for that call and then we can talk more deeply about where you're hoping to go with your career and determine if the academy is a fit for you. If you're on the fence, if you're not sure if the Academy is the way to go, if you're not sure you want to be a full-time interior designer, I also have a quiz at affordable the Academy tab. You can take that very quick, very fun quiz and I am very straightforward in that little exercise telling you exactly where you need to focus your energies based on your answers. That's where I would start. If it turns out based on the quiz that you are a fit for the academy, then sign up for that call and let's go a little bit deeper. Anissa was a great fit and you just pick that time when you're ready to jump in with both feet. She continues, in the meantime, I'm getting a hold of some professional pictures that were taken of my home and I'm working with a couple of friends on their homes to get pictures and testimonials for my under construction website and to practice my skills. I have some questions for you. Should I create an LLC and register my company name or should I wait? Let me start with that first question, Anissa. You don't need to start by getting an LLC. That can be expensive depending on the area where you live and it can be time consuming you can go ahead and start earning money as a sole proprietor under your name now of course you're gonna speak to your accountant about how that works for your specific situation but you can work under your name earning income that way as long as you claim it and again your accountant will guide you through how to claim it and win Uh, and that's totally fine as you grow you will want an LLC, I'd I'd imagine, because that allows you some extra protections, which I think will become worth it in time. But initially, you don't need that to get the ball rolling. Your next question. Do I need to carry insurance as an interior designer since I'll be going into clients' homes and possibly moving furniture? First of all, whether or not you move furniture, you do I recommend need insurance. You need general liability insurance. It's very affordable. Uh, It's not prohibitively expensive, I should say. And I highly recommend it. So get that. Get it right away if you plan on taking clients. Now, if you plan on moving furniture, you may find that you need more robust insurance. If you plan on You know, assembling people's furniture, hanging their curtain rods, you know, doing things that involve, you know, any construction in their home. Now, I recommend that you hire an outside handyman firm that has their own separate insurance should you be moving furniture, should you be assembling things, hanging drapery rods, hanging artwork, etc., Because handyman insurance or insuring that type of labor is very, very expensive. Especially if you're working in apartment buildings because they often require very high insurances that protect their hallways, their elevators, their entryways. I, myself, for my firm, hire an outside handyman team that... Brings all their own insurance, all their own equipment. And I personally and my designers, we move nothing. We hang nothing. Now is it a little bit more expensive to hire that outside firm? Yes it is. But our clients love that these guys are professionals. Our handyman team happens to be all guys. Yours may not be. But they are total pros. This is something they do all day, every day. And then we can focus on our job of making things pretty. So I'm basically the foreman on these job sites telling the guys what to do and where to put things. But I don't have to get my hands dirty, I don't have to strain my back, and I don't have to pony up for that big money insurance. Your last question is, is there a trade license I can apply for to get discounts at retail stores? So you don't need a trade license to get access to the discounts. What you do need is a business license and you will register with your state once you get an LLC or some kind of business structure. And then they will give you a business license and an EIN number. You'll use that EIN number to apply for discounts at retail stores. Typically, they require an EIN, some kind of website that shows you're an interior designer, and some kind of business card. And typically, that's all they require to open an account. That being said... You know, there are hundreds of retailers, thousands, that offer trade discounts, and each retailer is very different with the way you order through them, with the way that you apply for their discounts, with the way that you handle returns, with the way that you pay. Some require that you use your business card and have your client reimburse you. Uh, so you'll want to look into all of that. There is a lot of fine print with each and every retailer and their discount system because of course they want to protect their discounts from being widely accessible to the public since they are so deep. Do look into that. It does require a little bit of legwork, but ultimately it's worth it and your clients will get really excited that you can get them access to these discounts whether or not you choose to mark up those pieces later, which also involves another tech structure and another way of signing up with these retail stores. You'll want to ask. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Are you a fan of this podcast? Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. All right, Uh, I was wrong. You have one more question that was hiding here below the fold. You write, what would you say is the average earning of a first-year interior designer working full-time? Thank you so very much, Anissa. Well, Anissa, it depends. If you're working at a firm... It's going to be a different figure than if you're working for yourself. And if you're working for yourself, well, it depends where you're working. If you're working in Kansas, you won't be able to charge as much or make as much as if you're working in Los Angeles or New York City. Uh, These are all things to take into consideration when you're deciding who you want to work for, who's that ideal client, and how much you want to charge them. What kind of packages are you offering them? Are they full-scale installations from soup to nuts, or are you just advising them as to what they should buy and then they're doing the work? There's a lot of things to consider as you're building your business model and determining which way you want to go. But I would say start backwards. Figure out how much money you need to make from this business. Think about what you really need to make to survive whether this is a part-time venture or your full-time venture. And then start doing some division. Determine how many clients you think you could get Um, and determine how many hours you want to be working. All these questions should come into play and help you decide how much to charge and who to be targeting. All right my last question. Hi Betsy, I feel like you've covered this a half a dozen times already, but I'm still a little stuck. I'm including photos of our long, but not very large living room, with the front door at one end and windows at the other. We wanted to maximize seating and be able to enjoy the space with our kids, so that's how we got the sectional along the empty wall. And our walls are, are excuse me, our windows are the focal point? Question mark It's what we love most about our house. Or it could be the TV, because the sectional faces the TV. My husband won this TV in a work raffle. It wasn't actually part of our original thinking for our living room. I'm not sure what to put on or near the TV. I feel like identifying the focal point of the room may help. I have a fear of putting too much clutter on the wall, but my husband thinks it looks empty. Help! And thank you, Renee. All right, Renee, scrolling through your pictures, you do have kind of an unusually shaped living room. It is rectangular and it is long ish. On one short end of this rectangle, you have three almost floor to ceiling windows, which are beautiful. On the other end, you have a partial wall within a large opening to a different room. Then of course from left to right on the long walls you have to the left a long unbroken wall where you've chosen to put the sectional and I think that makes a lot of sense. On the right you've chosen to put the TV and it's also a long wall but it does have a large opening that leads to the entryway. So it's not as long as the wall that the sectional is on. Additionally, you've not been able to center the sectional on the wall because I guess you wanted to center the TV on the sectional. And because that TV wall doesn't extend the whole length of the long sectional wall, you've had to off-center the TV in a really unusual way. So it's just about, let me see, I'm going to visually guesstimate. It's about a foot to 18 inches from the edge of the one part of the wall, and it's about Five to seven feet from the edge of the other wall to the end of the wall. See, see why I need (laughs) AIDTV? So I don't have to be telling you this, I can just show you this, right? It does look very unusual that your TV is so, so off-centered. Additionally, there's nothing underneath your TV because you've mounted it and sunk all the cords inside, which is a very clean, beautiful look. I think it's totally the way to go because this wall is somewhat of a passageway going from the entry down to this other open area. I think it makes a lot of sense what you've done. But your husband is right. It looks goofy. Because there's this big expansive wall on the other side of the TV that has nothing on it. And the couch is facing that wall. You know, you've mentioned what is my focal point? Well, your focal point is whatever you're looking at when you're seated on the most important piece of furniture in the room, which in this case is your sectional. And the only thing you're looking at, let me be very frank here, is the TV you are not looking at those windows from the sectional this is not a fully backed sectional it's a chaise sofa and so nobody sits on the backless nubbin of the chaise and stares at the windows everybody in this room is staring at the wall with the tv and it looks odd because your tv is so off-center what i'd recommend is not necessarily centering the tv on the sectional or because then it's not even going to be centered on the wall even though that may have been something i would have been inclined to do What I will recommend since everything's all set up and it looks very clean and um, nice is that I would put a bookcase on the right hand side if you're staring at the TV. The reason I would do a bookcase, and by bookcase I mean a standard height bookcase of between 6 and 7 feet, about 3 feet wide, the reason I'm doing a bookcase and not something else is because a bookcase could be very narrow. So it's not going to obstruct your walkway. It's only going to be 10 to 12 inches deep. Also you could use some visual height. Everything in this room is very low, whether it's the height of the sectional, the height of the armchair that's facing the sectional, the TV, everything except those windows is low. So it would be nice to kind of bring some height to this edge of the room. Additionally, you need some visual interest, and I think. You know, styling that bookcase, not just with books, but also with photo frames, with objets, accessories from your travels. I think that that will give you something else to look at besides your guests just staring at that TV when they come over. These things, ideas, I think will help to make the space look much more interesting and dynamic. <clears throat> Scrolling through your pictures, I have something I just need to point out. It's just something that's bothering me. Uh, And that is that you have created a very cute little gallery wall above your sofa, but the three pieces that you've decided to use are very close together, like an inch apart. And they're very high above the sofa. From the back of the sofa to the top of the lowest piece is probably 12 inches. Which makes it look like this little configuration is floating. I would give more room in between the pieces. At least 3 to 5 inches in between each piece. That will not only enlarge this gallery wall moment, making it feel more substantial above that large sectional, but also, it may allow you to bring some of these pictures down so that it's not like this little cloud gallery wall floating above the sectional. All right, Renee. See, guys, when you, get it, when you write in, you get more than you bargained for. If I see other atrocities on your imagery, well, I'm going to point them out. Alright guys, well it's time to do a little day drinking with my wonderful crew. I can't wait to see them in New York City and have a glass of rosé with my French bistro lunch and discuss discuss the future of affordable interior design because we are 15 years old this year it feels very exciting to be able to celebrate that big milestone in september we will officially be 15 but we're going to be celebrating 15 all year long because we have weathered some storms in that time we have seen competitors big competitors come and go we have had amazing designers join our team and then moved to places like London, Greece, California. We have worked for billionaires. We have helped people who are renting and living with milk crates. We have worked everywhere from India to Argentina, to Vermont, to Oregon, to Canada. And I cannot wait to see what the next 15 years holds. Uh, speaking of waiting to see, uh, I am really celebrating the end of January on our bonus episodes. So if you're a premium member, you will want to download our latest bonus episode. I'm releasing it. Sometime in the next seven days. And I'm gonna focus on trends, things that I think are way out. You will be surprised. Some things that I absolutely loved over the past 15 years are things I plan on never using again. I'm gonna share those uh, on my podcast. And if you are not a premium member, I highly suggest that you go to affordableinteriordesign.com, go to that Academy tab, sign up to become a premium member ASAP. You won't want to miss my bonus trends episode. Additionally, there's an archive of 50 plus episodes for you to sink your ears into. Uh, It's a lot of listening fun and it is such a major help to our podcast. It helps to keep us on the air. Until next week, guys, I will... Keep an eye out for all your questions. Bye. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.